Hey, so welcome in to Gene Amos. I'm so glad to have you on board today to actually bring in a lot of information uh, to bring with the military community and just talking to those out there who are always looking to branch into their second career and figure out what's going on next. Uh, we'll get into a high-level conversation about a lot of things today. Um, but first, Jen, how about you just introduce yourself to the community? Yeah, well, Craig, first and foremost, thank you for having me. And it's always an honor when people invite you on their podcast show because as a fellow podcaster, I know that producing a show is a labor of love. So thank you for what you do and thank you for having me on. And I do hope to provide a lot of value to your audience today. Um, a little bit about me, uh, I guess in regards to the military community, because I know we're gonna be talking about um, transition and even your own transition journey. Um, you know, I come from a military family. My dad had served in the 80s and 90s as a machinist. And um, unfortunately, he was um, at his last duty station. He was serving 18 and a half years. Uh, we were in Yokosuka, Japan, when his ship, the USS Kitty Hawk, was uh, traveling from Japan to South Korea, and he had gone missing. Um, and so that really kind of took our whole family into a spin, and even the military as a whole, I think, or the military ship, because they sent a search crew um, to try to find him for three days, and they continued an investigation for three months. And eventually they were like, we can't find him. And, um, you know, on his death certificate, it says that he has, uh, his death was either unknown or that he may have drowned. Those were the two words that they had in it. And so our my family and I, you know, our lives catapulted uh, back to the West Coast and California specifically um, as a gold star family. And that had been really interesting. I was 10 years old at the time and my mom was, you know, uh, raising three kids under 11. And um, so, yeah, it's been an, it was an interesting time. But fast forward 20 years, um, you know, while a number of my friends were joining the military and my mom had considered like had kept encouraging me to join it. And I kept reminding her, like, do you remember what happened mom to dad? <laughs> um, I chose not to you know, join it myself, even uh, when I went to college and. And then, you know, a couple years later, I met my husband, who is a West Point grad and served as an army officer. And um, and so I kind of today I, I kind of describe myself as a Gold Star family member and a veteran spouse and a military family uh, advocate. But yeah, that's a little bit about my background. And hadn't it been for my husband and the work we do today, I wouldn't be able to, um, you know, talk about my past and, and kind of come to peace with it. And more importantly, you know, use what I went through to help our community today. Well, first of all, Jen, I thank you for basically your service as well to the military community as well, because it's not hard just only being a military spouse, but also being a military child as well and growing up in that type of community, especially dealing with all the moving ins and outs of that. And, I, you know, I can't imagine uh, being lost uh, to my family as well and in the midst of actually on active duty. So I know that's got to be a tumultuous thing that you had to deal with at, at first and especially a lot of um, weight that had to be put on your mom's shoulders to live on through that. And I think that's amazing that the service that you're actually providing now, because you actually know that from being a child as a spouse, well, being as a child in the military, now turning into being a spouse and actually giving that same type of uh, service at one point in time to your husband's service in the military had to be something that was unique of an experience for a lot of people. Some people, Try to steer away from it, but you actually embrace it and, and join again to help help another service member actually get to a point in their life where they can do the things that they want to do with their life as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, the first decade of my life was being a military child, and then the next, you know, twenty was witnessing, um, you know, sort of the aftermath of you know what it was like to transition into civilian life, and you know, for some. Um, uh, 
uh, for some military retirees and families, you know, you transition by choice and there are still, and, and there are many who uh, transition um, kind of by circumstance. It's very unexpected. And so we happen to be that type of family. And so it was really interesting to, you know, I, I can only talk about it now, but in the, in, at the time it was so normal to, um, you know, just kind of uproot again. And even by then it was difficult for me to, even though we stayed in California for 20 years, um, my mindset still was in that like, oh, moving every two to three years kind of mindset. It was still difficult for me to really know that I was actually rooted somewhere. And so, you know, fast forward 20 years, it's interesting to, you know, speak with military families today where, you know, that is still a common theme of, you know, that mindset of constantly transition uh, constantly changing, constantly shifting, constantly relocating. Um, and it's like, how do you find, how do you find like stable ground, <laughs> you know, in all of that? And so it is interesting now to be on the outside of it and, and hopefully provide a, you know, kind of a, an objective uh, perspective on how our families can um, have a smooth transition one way or the other. And, you know, for us, it just so happens to be uh, for finance, but it's more than that too. It's really that, you know, sense of purpose, like reinventing yourself for post-military life and i feel really grateful to you know take my past experience and um and really just have a deeper understanding of what that means for our military families service members and even our kids today you know you hit on a lot of uh great points uh right there and i really love this conversation because when i first met you it was like one of those things where we was having this conversation and we got to talking about my transition and things that i should be you know aware of and how i want to help the military community actually you know understand what what that transition should type of look like or at least have an idea what you're looking to get forward out of it and you gave a lot of insight to me and i think you're hitting on the high level points right now of uh, just understanding um what is what is the mission that you're going to have once you are transitioning out of the military service some people don't really have that goal or that that drive to figure out anything else next some of them just know i just want to be done with it um yeah out when I want to, but what are some of the things that you are uh, seeing as from both sides of it, where it's important to understand the direction that you want to go in when you're actually transitioning out of the military? Oh, it's, I mean, it's just, it's so important because I think it's common knowledge that, um, you know, uh, veteran suicide uh, is very, very well known, very, um, you know, highly spoken about. And, um, and, and I think a lot of it and something that my husband and I tend to talk about very often is that, you know, a lot of veterans um, have a lack of purpose in post military life. And if you think about, you know, in the military, you were given a purpose, you were given a mission. And in post military life, you have to kind of dictate that for yourself. Also, in the military life, you are taught to, you know, be of service to other people, and to be giving almost self sacrificial, where in the civilian world, it's like, you know, you have to know your financial worth, <laughs> like you have to, it's more like you can't just be self sacrificial, because that is not going to make you a, you know, very, um, it's, it's, it's going to be difficult to figure out how you can contribute, you know, to society, if you're just kind of trying to give and give and give, but you know, not knowing your financial worth. And so, you know, there's, there's a lot to be uh, said around that. But um, I think really just understanding the, um, you know, transition is not just, um, you know, going from one job to another it's an emotional transition it's a spiritual transition it's a family transition and you know having that self-awareness hopefully two two to five years before you actually transition um, will put you in a better position than someone who than a family who's like oh okay we got six months left what do we do now you know like how do how do we plan this and and it's really sad when you know 
it's at that point because you know once they transition a lot of a lot of the focus if you think about a lot of the transition classes even in the military it's all about trying to find your next career but like we like what you said earlier craig it's like what if they want to take a break what if they want to take it easy and if you don't plan for that ahead of time especially financially then you are in a sense like forced to replace your military paycheck with something in the in the civilian world and a lot of times it's you know settling for a job that you really don't want to have um and then bouncing around a couple of jobs because you know just that that civilian life of like not knowing where to settle <laughs> i think and maybe even the in the mindset of you know being in the military and constantly having to shift but um yeah hopefully that kind of sheds some light into sort of the perspective that i i tend to observe when you know service members and families transition yeah, so I, I do agree with you in that sense because I had a situation. I'm in that situation now where I'm just like, you know, we gotta we gotta figure out this 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 moving thing. Like we gotta actually decide where we're gonna live and get that things figured out. And we basically gotta do that with a sense of, in my mind, a five year plan at the minimum. So that way yeah. thing else moves itself out and then we'll go about about our business after the five years, however the wind takes us based on our circumstances at that point in time. But if you're not planning for that, if you're not uh, shifting for that, um, you're putting yourself in situations where you could be in dire straits. Like you got to stay within budget uh, because you got to understand that you, the only thing that's guaranteed is your military income. And then if you yeah. do get disability, uh, you will get disability, but you you don't know what that number is going to be until they tell you what the, the awarding disability agreement that you're going to get. So uh, it's so many things that's out of layers of it that you got to peel back to actually get down to the, the heart of it. And you're right, after you've done something for so long, especially 20 years plus, um, maybe you do deserve a, a small break, maybe even a longer extended break to actually get your mind and your feet underneath you again to decide what you want to do next. And if you don't plan for it, you could be in for a rude awakening where it could slap you like the back of your neck and you don't even know what was going on in the first place. Yeah. Which, you know, to the credit of the service member and the military family, particularly the spouse, like, I understand and I'm and and based on even the interviews we've had on my my podcast show and and all the people we've talked to in the community um it's very it is very hard to think about the future because the day to day is crazy <laughs> like there's so much there are so many layers to the day to day and then especially if if you have to PCS especially you know if you relocate like I mean there's so much going on that I understand sort of the I understand the struggle with that. And so I do think that it is healthy to say that at least start thinking about transition three to five years out. And I like how you said five years minimum, like at least start then because there will be points in your military career where you can, you know, kind of take it easy for a little bit and actually reflect and, you know, plan about plan for your future. But even three years, it's already like, you know, that's already kind of, um, uh that's that's already sort of running out of time i guess you can say and so i do like how you said five year mark because normally we're like okay it has to be a, we we usually recommend at least three years but five years is a good is a good mark <laughs> yeah it, i think it is um knowing it from experience and it's based off strictly off experience I could, if you asked me five years ago what was i at and what was i thinking about i was not thinking about retiring i can tell you that uh, it was one of those things where I was, you know, I felt like I had upward trajectory and it was things where I felt like, you know, I had the momentum to continue on probably to 26, 30 plus or mm -hmm. whatever, you know, like things change. And when things change and you're not planning for them, you're actually putting yourself behind the eight ball to actually make those decisions. Now you're in your situation where you have to decide, am I doing the right thing for myself or am I tied to this job now because I have no other options? And that's, yeah. 
think that's even a worse situation to be in because if you're not doing it because you're passionate about it anymore and you want and you're going through the motions, you're you can almost putting yourself at risk. You're putting yourself in danger. You're putting others in danger. And you're really not in that mindset to think about what's actually should be given the part to the job. And that's really even more of a hazard, in my opinion, if you're not already preparing yourself, even if you're not going to make that transition to have some type of a backup plan. If for some odd reason it's time for you to go home. Yeah. And in addition to that, if you are, you know, if you just sort of jump from that military paycheck to the first civilian paycheck you can get, um, some things get pushed in the back burner, like, you know, spending time with your family or kind of taking some time to reflect and figure out what this next part of your life is going to look like. You know, it's very important to to think about those things because you're not in the military anymore. You're not being told what to do. You're not being, you know, sent to places. You're not being given a mission. And, you know, this job and, and also I think what a lot of um you know veterans i think struggle with is a sense of community a sense of belonging and if you're just working that nine to five um not really connecting with your office mates because they're all civilians and you're like that one veteran it's a very it's a very you know complicated situation and you feel alone and again you know going back to um that you know veteran veteran suicide 22 a day thing um i mean i don't know all the stats on it but i have i i my part of my theory is part of why that happens is because of that lack of purpose that lack of belonging you know that lack of being um understood in in the civilian world and so if you don't ha if you don't give yourself the time um you know not just the uh, veteran but even the military spouse to sort of rediscover who you are and who you want to be um then yeah it's like it'll catch up with you later i think is what i'm saying like you can get that job but again it's going to catch up with you later for sure and i had I, perfect examples that i talked to a friend the other day uh, i just called i just called to catch up with them and it wasn't even nothing major and they got to talk to me about yeah i retired you know and i was retired for full for a full scale two years i didn't do anything that's exactly what he said like <laughs> there i you go. do anything for two full years and he said, you know, one day I decided, you know, man, I got to go back to work. And I was like, really? I said, what changed? And they go, well, you don't realize when you retire that all the people that you hung out with, they not retired. <laughs> so yeah. I had nobody to hang out with. So I was just by myself a lot. So I was like, need to, <laughs> yeah. <go> to work. <laughs> so. That's so funny. It's like, oh, everyone's working and I'm just home doing nothing and no one wants to hang out with me. So yeah, I guess I'm going to kill some time by getting a job, which is fine. I mean, hey, if it took you two years to realize that, then good for you. But the point is that he took that time, you know, to maybe want to build a social life and, you know, reconnect with maybe old friends. And then he realized like, oh, everyone's busy. So I think I'm in a good headspace to uh, I, I filled up that cup in regards to like, you know, rekindling my social life. I'm good. Obviously, everyone's only free like after business hours and on the weekends. So now I can fill up the daytime with a job and that's completely OK. Yeah, and I, I, I absolutely, I, I found it amazing. I like one, you was off for two years, and I'm like, I'm <laughs> a holic you are, and you all of a sudden decided that I signed to go back to work, and really they're paying him to do what he already was doing in the military, and it's not a sweat off his back at all. It's just him just burning time, like you said, killing it to hang out with people in the social life that he wants to later on. So let's let's, let's transition to the gold star family um, perspective here, right? Can you uh, talk to us about exactly what is a gold star family member and what what does that mean uh, in the military? 
Yeah, a Gold Star family member is basically a surviving member of a um, a, a, a surviving family member of a service member who had uh, lost their life in the military. You know, whether it's while on active duty or even in a post-military life. And I also want to make a note for um, you know the service members who had uh, taken their life while on active duty or even um, you know in post-military life, because oddly enough, uh, Craig that when um, sometimes people tend to dismiss or minimize uh, service members or retirees who committed suicide, they don't count them as Gold Star family members. So I do wanna make it a point to mention them and and validate them because they did serve, they did put in their time. And so, yeah, that's a, that's a basic definition of what a Gold Star family member is, is basically the surviving family member of someone who had served in the military. So is there uh, specific entitlements that they're uh, that they're giving um, based on being a Gold Star family member? Uh, I mean, that's a that's a complicated question, because I, I I mean, I know for sure with my family, we were granted Chapter 35. Uh, yeah. What that means is my siblings and I were all able to get our colleges uh, paid for, especially if we went to a state college. My sister actually went to a, a UC school in um, in California, but uh, she was able to use financial aid to get in. But my point is that we're able to all of us were able to get our school paid for. And, you know, Fortunately, we were able to still have like TRICARE and some of our military benefits up until I think we were 22 or 23. Then we essentially lost it all and we're pretty much civilians at that point. I remember when that point came, I was like, oh my gosh, I need to figure out how to get my own benefits. But um, the interesting thing that I think a lot of Gold Star family members don't know, and this is something I had to actually figure out uh, 20 years later, is that there are a lot of nonprofit organizations that support Gold Star families. Um, I want to give a shout out to The Price of Freedom. A foundation where, um, you know, shout out to Dennis and Keith, where they actually work with Gold Star family members to write doc or to have uh, to write, uh, sorry, to write biographies of our fallen heroes, uh, that being my dad. And so that's one of the organizations I've had the fortune of working with. Um, there's other ones as well that help with like uh, college scholarships in case, you know, you know, the kids want to go to college and stuff like that. But, you know, honestly, till this day, Craig, I I'm still trying to, uh, you know, be aware of what's available. I do know that there's a nonprofit called TAPS, which is the Tragedy Assistance. Um, I'm, I don't have the full name right, but basically, uh, I think it's Tragedy Assist. Actually, let me look it up real quick. Let me, I want to make sure I honor them uh, correctly, but it is, uh, let me see, Try. Uh, sorry, give me one second. I know we're live, but let me just, <laughs> okay. The Tragedy Assistance Program for Survivors. So it's TAPS, so TAPS.org, T-A-P-S.org. And um, if you are a Gold Star family member and you're looking for resources, I highly, highly recommend that you start there because they have kind of similar to like Alcoholics Anonymous, they have um, support groups that meet up locally uh, on a monthly basis and it gives you an opportunity to meet with other survivors. And so I actually had the fortune of, you know, meeting other survivors survivors here locally in Norfolk. And um, it was just really great to connect with, um, you know, whether they were spouses or, uh, you know, uh, children such as myself. Um, and it, it's not even just for the new uh, Gold Star family members who had um, lost someone recently. I mean, the last one I went to, uh, we had a Gold Star wife who had, you know, lost their uh, husband who served in the Vietnam War. So it, it's really just a support group for all survivors. And it's free as far as I'm aware of. And they even have like peer groups where if you want to, um, you know, uh, connect with if you want to have sort of like a mentor or someone, you know, like a someone someone to talk to more deeply about your situation and what you're going through. Um, so yeah, that is a really good starting point. 
I, I obviously I don't um, I'm not like a representative of them, but I highly do recommend, um, you know, going to this organization if you're looking to get started somewhere. Awesome. Yeah, we are actually link it, we leave a link down below. I have it up on the screen as well. So this is the website taps.org, like she said. Uh, we will, like I said, link it down below and definitely check it out if it's uh, if it applies to you, if it's something that you actually want to help support one of those things as well. too. it's no no big deal. I'll back one way or the other. Um, I think that that's awesome uh, experience as well. So when actually one of the major conversations that we had uh, before we transition off of uh, the ghost, our family member stuff is uh, basically uh, survivor death benefits. Right. This is like mm -hmm. one major. I don't even I don't want to say like uh, it's one of those things where I always tell people say, oh, no, I'm not doing that. But it is certain situations where maybe it applies to you that you may want to take into consideration. And there's times where a lot of people say "I it's just too expensive. And yeah. me and you had this conversation offline about the survivor death benefits. And one of the things that you need to take into consideration is if you're going to if you're not going to get it, what is one of the things that you need to do to protect yourself? Mm hmm. So we want to talk about the, some of those things. Uh, like, what do you think is uh, best to well, not not none of this is financial advice, by the way. Anybody listening to this, but this is just one of those things where if you're transitioning, you do have to come a, a crux to uh, dealing with if you're going to get your survivor death benefits uh, package with your retirement pension, or are you going to compensate for it somehow other way? Yeah, absolutely. And I do appreciate you prefacing that, you know, I myself am not a licensed financial advisor. I want to be very clear about that. Um, I am a spokesperson for our company. I do talk very deeply about um, my podcast show, The Spouse Benefit Plan, where I have worked with my team to um, really talk about the importance of understanding the survivor benefit plan, especially within the eyes of the military spouse. And so it's interesting because whenever we talk, I, I think in my experience of working with our team, um, the survivor benefit plan is a little bit about that morbid talk that you know no one wants to talk about it's one of those things that it's kind of easy to put off or when you're in the midst of transition um, if you don't know enough about it it's easier to just keep it it's easy you know because if you don't want it you actually have to go out of your way to get your spouse to um you know, sign uh, some paperwork to actively opt out of it and actually get it notarized. And so it's it's just one of those things that, again, because of the morbid talk, it's easy to put off. And then two, because it's not entirely understood, it's easy to just keep. And so the best way I can explain the survivor benefit plan is to first help, you know, military spouses and retirees understand their military pension, because that's ultimately what the survivor benefit plan protects. Now, of course, when you retire, when you have the military pension, um, it's a good chunk of change, you know, for the rest of your life. Like I know, um, and, and, you know, this is just some general ballpark numbers. Let's say, for example, an 05 who had served 20 years is going to make about $4,500 a month um, in, in, in a retired monthly pay for the rest of their life. So just think about that number, 4100 a month for the rest of their life. Now, here's the thing. Um, the reason why it's important to understand the survivor benefit plan is should anything happen to the retiree, that $4,100 gets cut down to 55%. Now, I don't have the, I don't know how to do the math. Let me do the, the math right in front of you guys right now. So if we do 4,100 and you take 55% of that, that drops down from $4,100 to about $2,200 for the surviving spouse for the rest of their life. And so what I'm trying to say is that, um, if you choose to not look into other options, especially if you have the ability to, especially if you can qualify for other options, 
um, in post-military life, should anything happen to the military retiree um, and the surviving spouse has to take the survivor benefit plan, that pension gets cut down from 4,100 a month to approximately 2,200 a month for the rest of the, of the spouse's life. Now, for some people, it's not a big deal because they're like, oh, well, I'm gonna get another job or I'm going to um, you know, find other ways to make money. But if there's one thing I know about spouses, Craig, is that they don't like wasting money. And so to think about the fact that that monthly retired pay is gonna drop down to 55% automatically um, for the spouse, it's awful. And on top of that, it doesn't automatically kick in, Craig. The surviving spouse who has to deal with the grief of losing their service member has to Google search how to even file, like how to even submit your death certificate to actually claim the survivor benefit plan. And so again, it works for a number of people. I'm not, I'm not telling people to, you know, I'm not trying to villainize the survivor benefit plan. It's just my goal and my mission and, and what we do here at US Vet Wealth to let you know what your options are. And if you can qualify for other things in the private market, you could actually protect 100% of that pension instead of just 55%. And then some, there's more I can say about it, but the most important thing is to understand that the survivor benefit plan will only protect 55% of the military pension. And that's the only that's the only outcome that a surviving spouse will get should anything happen to the retiree. Did that make sense, Craig? <laughs> yes, and I and I want to take it a just a step further to kind of like illustrate the point a little bit more because you did a great yeah. job on it, right? So I, I like to do it in, in in mass numbers so people understand exactly what it is a little bit here. So taking that same 05 pay, uh 20 years, let's call it 4100 or whatever, right? And yeah. we, by a lot in certain people cases okay but either way it goes that 4100 times you do that by 12 months for a whole year's annual salary that you're getting pension that's a forty nine thousand two hundred dollars let's call it fifty. right yeah yeah fifty thousand yeah call it and then you, the twenty two hundred right if you well, let's if you take that by that fifty five percent let's say that's a nineteen hundred dollar difference that you're giving up each month yep. by 12 that takes you down you're losing twenty two almost $23,000 out of your pension. That's a lot of money for a lot of people. Like imagine what you could do with $23,000. For some people, there's their mortgage for a whole year. That's right. So like, when you think about it in that aspect, and if you multiply that over, let's say they live to, let's say they retired at 52 and they live to 82. You, you multiply it by 30 years, you're giving up $684,000 over that time span because of the survivor death benefits that you're going to be giving up. To actually cover that when you actually go away and if you do absolutely die around 82 the longevity of women is long usually outlives live men men usually i don't outlive women so it depends on what type of your status if you're male or female this may be where you just gave up six hundred eighty four thousand dollars, and no one ever gets to use it you know you may yeah. go is if you have surviving benefits for your kids uh, available uh but at the end of the day what happens is that someone is going to be waiting a long time in certain aspects to actually even utilize that benefit that's going to come available for them. You're not going to get that in a lump sum. You're going to get yeah. that in payments. So that's the that's the gist of it, where basically if someone was to pass and whatever whatever wealth resource that you use to protect your pension, whether that's a whether that's a, I guess a whole life policy, um a umbrella policy, whether that's a permanent life insurance, or even if that's just getting uh, just your traditional insurance that you can get. I keep I got losing the thought, thought of whatever it is right now. I have it myself. Term <laughs> insurance, yeah. right? 
regular term life insurance to cover that same amount, $684,000, you are probably coming off cheaper in some forms or fashions, depends on how much you have to pay out and taking care of that based on your medical status at this point in time when you get ready to retire. So yeah. I a bigger uh, point of it is just look at how much you may not ever even get to utilize the benefit of. Yeah, absolutely. Craig, I love that you did those numbers for me because I recently just published an episode on the spouse benefit plan where I had to calculate all of this. And more importantly, um, you you mentioned it, like the like what you end up losing out on. So in my last episode on the spouse benefit plan, I talked about the opportunity cost. You know, it's like, yeah, you may get 55%, but you lose 45% of the military pension. And again, if there's one thing I know about spouses, if there's one thing I knew about my mom and growing up um, and watching her is that they don't like to waste money. They don't like to lose money. And, and I just think that, um, and so unfortunately, this is a, a conversation that is really difficult to talk about among spouses, I think, probably for a number of reasons. Um, you know, my take on it is just the lack of information. And more importantly, like, um, just in my observance, I'm not I'm not saying this as an uh, as an absolute fact. But you know, a lot of spouses tend to focus on the day to day budgeting of the family. And so to think about future planning is it's it's just a very overwhelming thing because they are so focused on many other aspects of the military life and you know uh, holding down the fort that um, it is a hard thing to look at and study and more importantly like you know truly con truly and confidently um, signing those papers and notarizing it saying no I don't want the survivor benefit plan it really has to take a well educated um, spouse or more importantly you know the trust of the service members such as yourself Craig to be like you know what there are better options out there. You know, our company, US Vet Wealth, I think we have a great option. But more importantly, I want you to know, like wholeheartedly, that the survivor benefit plan is good for you or not. That's really at the end of the day, I don't necessarily care what you get. Obviously, we have our solutions, like I said, but I just want you to know, like for yourself, you know, would you be okay if, for example, that military pension, should anything happen to Craig, you know, drop from 4,100 a month to about 2,200 for the rest of your life? And you don't get a lump sum, like you said, Craig, it's like you don't get that immediate funds, um, you know, after you lose someone, which is usually the time, the most important time where you need some extra cash to deal with that tragic transition. So yeah, obviously, as you can tell, I'm I'm really fired up about this conversation. And I really appreciate how you even did the math. I know you're a finance person yourself, but I love how you did the math. And hopefully, you know, this helps, um, you know, your your viewers uh, visualize like what it would really mean. Like, what is what is that? Um, the number you said, what is 1900 a month? Like, what is losing that mean to you? Like you said, for some people, that's a mortgage that it could be other, it could be for other things. And it's like, why, why, like, I just, it just makes me upset to think that, you know, you have dedicated at least 20 years into the service, at least 20 to get this pension only for it to get reduced to 55%. It, it's criminal to be if you ask me, you know, that's just my biased opinion. Um, it's not my suggestion. It's not my absolute thing, because I don't want to talk against the survivor benefit plan. This is more of just giving that other perspective that I think, you know, our military families um, have to hear. And so I hope I hope that it's it's I hope you all appreciate it. And I hope you all find it helpful. I'm a I'm a bash it a little bit more. I'm a, I'm a, and I'm not bash. <laughs> it's a bad thing. I'm bashing it. Because <laughs> Financial, you're right. Like financially, you have to think about it so wholeheartedly, right? Like, and I, and yeah. this is why I'm a bash it a little bit because 
um, even when, um, even in the military right now, um, one of the main things I always talked to my sailors about was that protecting your assets, right? That's, that's the main thing that you know you have to do. You never know what is going to happen. And the worst thing that you can do is not protect your assets for your family or make sure that your family assets are protected. Even if something was to happen to one of them, where you can still go to work and do the things that you need to, because you protected the assets. And yeah. one of the hardest conversations to have is talking about one of the things is wheels and, and making sure that you have all your medical things lined up where if someone has to pull the plug on you, they understand that's really what you wanted. You have to have these conversations because some people may not want to be in a vegetative state, but that's yeah. to get right uh, where even when I purchased my first home, my first thing that we discussed was we need to get insurance to protect the house, right? Yeah. Was to go. I don't want you to have to deal with trying to figure out how you're going to make the next mortgage payment when you should be grieving or I should be grieving. So we went yeah. out enough insurance to cover the house, whether it was her or it was me, anything of that sort. And that's typically what we're seeing here. It's the same. It's the same thing. You don't want to put yourself in a situation where you're worried about where that income is coming from, where you should be living your best life at that point in time. So even with the military giving you SG alive with life insurance, it's only 400. Yeah. But a lot of people, their house at this point in time, especially in this market, it costs $600,000, $500,000. The average median price what we live at in Virginia is right now, I just read a report, is $396,000. If, if I was so active duty, you're getting $400,000. That leaves you with $4,000 left to actually live off of and hope that is enough, you know, if you're not getting a pension or anything or the other. So I do think it's important to actually consider your alternatives and making sure that it comes to it. And I just did the rough map. If you was to get uh, term insurance, which you can get better insurance than term if you want, but if you you got a term and you was probably one of the most ailing people in the world where they would be hard to cover you, let's just say that was 33% of your pension that you had to give up off that $1,900 that you, mm-hmm. you still coming out making $1,200 off that $1,900 that you had to give away. So $600 is what you had to give up to actually still see benefit to your pension versus paying 55% of it away, or 45% of it away. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think the, the important part is to also mention that, um, you know, it's not just about death. And unfortunately, that's what the survivor benefit plan only focuses on. It only focuses on the survivor. And part of why, you know, our podcast show is called the spouse benefit plan is it's a reframe, you know, to actually focus on celebrating the life of a spouse and the life of a service member. Because here's the thing, there is there are new um, solutions today Uh, that are more accessible to our military families where you don't have to wait till death. You don't have to wait for a car accident to have access to your money. Um, There are ways where, you know, there's a concept called private banking where you could actually privatize your pension um, so that, you know, when you transition out, um, one thing that we talk about with our company is that, so uh, let me see, this is actually some new language we started using, so just bear with me. So oh. one thing that we like to focus on at US Vet Wealth is um, showing you how to privatize your pension, because when you think about, uh, so that's really the solution that we tend to offer, but that's a, I'll get into that more later. The reason why we talk about privatizing your pension is that when you're about to transition, um, you know, all, all these tap classes talk about like uh, preparing you for your next career. And, you know, we mentioned this earlier in our conversation, 
transition that, you know, sometimes you might want to take a break. <laughs> you know, you might want to take a break when you transition. More importantly, even if you do work in post-military life, you don't want to work another 20 years to get your second retirement. And so there, there are solutions today because you have this pot of gold called the pension that no other civilian has, you know, because you earned for it, you served it. There's a way to protect it and even grow it and even use it in your lifetime um, so that, you know, you could actually live as opposed to just wait till your 60s to, you know, tap into your policies and, you know, finally live retirement. Like you can live today. It's okay to live today. It's okay to tap into your finance today. And, you know, I highly recommend if you want to learn more about that, you can reach out to us at US Vet Wealth. Um, again, I'm not the financial advisor. That's why I keep redirecting. Um, but we do have solutions today. And more importantly, we want to educate you that life insurance isn't just about death. You know, here at US Vet Wealth, we put the life back in life insurance. And the only way we can have this conversation though, Craig, is it goes back to that first question. Like, do you want to keep or opt out of the survivor benefit plan? Can you make a confident and, and informed decision on that? And if you can, then the possibilities will open up in front of you. But it comes to that first. It comes to, you know, do we want the survivor benefit plan? And more importantly, do we want to keep 100% of our pension instead of just 55% should anything happen to the retiree? So I think we need to focus on that conversation first before we talk about the possibilities, because just as you've already mentioned, Craig, there's so many ways, there's so many other options out there there. But it starts with that first conversation of really understanding the value of your pension. Absolutely, Jane. I think you hit it right on the head. Education is where it's at. You have to yeah. be very educated and know what you're getting yourself into. And if you don't, you got to be able to ask the right questions and figure out what resources would give you the right direction to kind of make an educated plan, <clears throat> which is it's important. It's very important. And I agree with you there. Um, okay. So talk to, talk to you about some of the things that you feel like Mm, is some things that people just don't really pay attention to when they do decide transition. Because I feel like I'm, I'm answering, I'm asking all the right questions, I'm doing all the right things every now and then. But sometimes I second guess myself about, am I going down the right, the right lane right now? You know, that's that's a great question. I think um, I think the biggest thing is to. I think the mental shift is the most important part. Like it's it's not just like following what, you know, the transition programs are teaching you, but more of like recognizing that, you know, you're really coming from a place where you've been conditioned to prepare for war and follow orders to like a free world, <laughs> you know, where you could essentially like do whatever you want and I think that's I think that's like such a culture shock if if you ask me like un unless you're actively talking to your you know your your peers who've already transitioned out and seeing what life is like for them like that is that is a huge transition from again following orders to kind of coming up with your own and and dictating your own destiny so I think it's important to um you know, I, I think one thing I think about my husband who uh, did, studied a lot of books while he was on active duty, like he read a lot of personal development books, a lot of business books, listened to a lot of podcasts, you know, really digested content in the civilian world. And I think that's what I would encourage is, you know, start paying attention to people who even um, 
you know, even like my husband and I, where it's like, you know, we are we are civilians who had served in our own way, um, wanting to help the community, like connecting with people like that who have been in your space, but now are in the civilian world and want to actively help you and hear their perspective. Because I think, you know, I, th I think it's important to learn from people who are, are even just a couple of steps or a couple of years ahead of you into civilian life um, to just get a glimpse of what that transition could be like for you. And I think the most important thing is um, and, and I know it's I know this is a big thing to ask because I know the military life is crazy and chaotic and unpredictable. But if you could find those like kind of lulls in your military life to actually, you know, think about the future, I encourage you to do it. Um, that's that's really all I'm asking is if you're able to do that, like take that time, you know, to, again, digest content in the civilian world that is wanting to help you with that transition. So I think overall, just that uh, self-awareness and that, you know, that that um, desire to want to self-educate on what post-military life could look like for you, not just what the government is giving you, but also what civilians, you know, nonprofits, organizations, businesses like what my husband and I do at US Vet Wealth, you know, like seek out those options as well. Because if there's anything we know about the government, it's slow, <laughs> it's sort of outdated sometimes. And even if they have the resources, there's not enough uh, resources to go around sometimes. Sometimes there's a waiting list. And so it's important to recognize and to explore options outside of government options. Um, so yeah, is that helpful, Craig? <laughs> That's very helpful. You know, because uh, like, as you know, as, like you said, as you started out, you, you run your own podcast and content creation is the thing where, you know, I've been ratcheting it up and picking up steam by uh, trying to get better at it each and every time I do one of these. And like, that's hard in managing, you know, retirement, trying to transition, uh, do your regular day-to-day -day job. Because this is like, for people who don't believe it, this is a full-time job in itself. Yeah. And you're your CEO, your CFO, your COO, and you make it until you get to a certain point, until you can need those people to come in and be your own resources. You definitely are one of the one-man band or one-woman band at some points too. So you got to figure out exactly it is what you want to do next and taking that time what you said i think was key was low when you find that look the downtime to actually consider what are your next options and kind of if you can't just draw it out like sometimes i have my tablet around just to draw out what i'm thinking in my head next so that way i can see if that will perpetuate to where i want to go next and really think about it concretely if that's what is one of my top three goals next so i think that's uh awesome advice and i mean Obviously, as a spouse, you always care about what, what make sure the service member is hit in the right um, the mind state because you don't want them to come out and feel like they made a wrong decision. And you want to be supportive enough, but you also want to make sure, are you sure this is what you really want to do? If you really what you want to do, what is your plan? So that kind of is one of the things that you want to initiate conversation on, too, in my, in my opinion. Yeah. And, you know, the key word there is uh, conversation, like open up the conversation and uh, be open about it. I think that's sort of the that's another big thing that we have to break through in the military community is the stoicism is like acting like everything is okay. Um, and I, I understand and I recognize that for some people there's that, you know, fear that maybe they won't be able to go up a rank or they won't be able to get deployed if they reveal certain personal things about them. Um, but I do think that there is enough support in our community today to say that it's okay to open up about certain things and be candid um, and have that have that conversation very early on, uh, three, five years before transition, um, because you need to start 
like part of part of the the practice of just communicating about these things is you're practicing how to advocate for yourself in post-military life like again you're not going to be told what to do unless you know you find a corporate job then yeah sure you might be told what to do but even then in corporate america it's all about how do you stand out it's all about how do you individuate you know and um in order to you know get promoted so i think just practicing how to have these open conversations and this dialogue early on is a great way to start practicing how to advocate for yourself and that will translate in your post-military life that's awesome that's awesome so talk to me a little bit more about privatized pension how does, how does so that privatizing the pension um you know honestly that is something that you'll probably have to talk to my husband about <laughs> but you know for us and and we're still working on the language about this like again um i'm not the licensed one but the per the whole idea of privatizing the pension um i think the best way i can describe it is that uh for now is that if you just keep your current pension the one that you worked hard for for you know 20 years at minimum um the only way of protecting it is with the survivor benefit plan, right? And so at US Vet Wealth, we have, and again, this is something that we're still working on the name. We we used to call it one thing. And right now the name of this uh, solution is called the Military Retiree Private Pension. And the whole idea of it is that um, should you choose something in the private market that you qualify for um, and use that instead of the survivor benefit plan, you get to increase your odds in, in post-military life. It Now it's not just about waiting for the service member to pass away for the surviving spouse to receive a benefit it's it's more than that it's kind of like hey what if like you know what if you want to be able to start a business what if you want to be able to take a break for a while what if you want to take on internships and not get and not worry about a paycheck for a while and so privatizing the military pension gives you an opportunity to increase the odds increase your options in post-military life now the how-to, Craig, I'm gonna have to save that, you know, for our team, like I mentioned, but I just wanna let you know that that is possible. It is possible to protect 100% of your pension. Um, and it's, it's, you know, and the way to do that is by looking at solutions in the private market. Um, I know that a lot of people uh, some people are very fortunate to have the time in those lulls to, you know, study what's out there. Like, you know, you mentioned term and whole life and all that. Um, you know, for us, we work with a different kind of solution, which again, I'm going to reserve that for you all can check that out at usvetwealth.com. Uh, actually, I, I thought this would be a good opportunity to mention that we do have a free download on our website at usvetwealth.com that there's no email opt-in necessary. And if you want to get this question answered, if you're kind of like, you know what, I don't, I, I want to make a confident and informed decision about the survivor benefit plan. More importantly, I want to protect 100% of my pension. If you want to learn the how to's on to do that specifically, then I do recommend that you visit our website, usvetwealth.com and download our white paper where it talks about military retirement pay. And right now, Craig, we have case studies for certain ranks. We have um, E7, E8, um, and 05 and 06, so E7 and above. And so if you wanna know about your particular situation, um, we actually calculate the numbers based on, um, you know, the military retired pay today based on the high three calculators um, or a high three calculator. 
And so it'll get into the nitty gritty and talk about these numbers. That's how I was able to pull from, you know, knowing that an 05 serving 20 years will make about 4,100 um, in military and monthly retired pay every single month because I'm pulling it from, you know, this document that once again, you can download for free on our website. But hopefully it'll be able to kind of get you started into wanting to learn more about it um, and see what's possible for you. And at the end of the day, once you know that this is something what this is something you want to do, you can at least find out if you qualify for enough, uh, qualify or not. And if there's anything I know about the military community, Craig, is in general, I think we're like the healthiest community out of any community in America. So I, I'd like to believe there's a you know high probability that you're going to be able to qualify for something um, better now than later, uh, because I definitely have, uh, unfortunately, we have heard horror stories of people who unfortunately lost their retiree, um, you know, 10, 20 years later in post-military life and something went wrong with the paperwork and they couldn't get their survivor benefit plan or it really just wasn't enough to support them. And it's, it's actually really tragic to see people on the other side of that. And so if we could just you know, if, if, if you are about to retire, you're considering uh, retiring, um, I do think it is worth your time to study what's in the private market. Um, and I wish I can reveal more. I just don't want to say things that I'm not as informed in. Um, but I do know that with the content we have, it should be more than enough for you to be to at least make some kind of informed decision or even reach out to our financial experts or a financial expert for that matter um, to talk more about this. Absolutely. And I agree with you. If, uh, I'm going to check out the case studies. Um, I encourage those who are uh, listening, who are, are are actually making that transition to actually head over to usvetwealth.com uh, US and check it out, the case studies too. I already have it up, so I'm checking it out as soon as this podcast is over. <laughs> I learn more and digest the information myself. Um, wh one of the things that you did say that I was thinking about here, I was saying, I was like, man, you know, I wish I'd known this five years ago. Or like, well, that's why I say five years is like a great cut. And so when you get to that point, when you hit 15 years in the military, if you were going to be in that long, or even if you do five, you decide you want to get out at 10, either way, just figure out the time frame where you think is going to be important that, because a lot of people always say, why don't you go to medical? Why don't you go to medical? Why don't you go to medical? You need to make sure you went to medical. By the time you start doing all that medical stuff, you probably <laughs> put a ding into your medical record where when the insurance companies do pull it, you yeah. may already have protected yourself just in case in a lot of situations. So make sure that if you do take that out of consideration too, uh, how yeah. much. <laughs> and you know, um, there are there are solutions in the private market that I'm not going to say are like a lot more lenient. I'm just saying that there, there are some things that um, they like just because you have a disability, it doesn't mean that you don't necessarily like qualify for something in the private market. So give yourself a chance. Just yeah. like the the worst thing that you'll find out is that you don't qualify. And I know that for, I know that typically when you think about the survivor benefit plan, when you think about uh, SGLI, you, um, you actually don't think about it because you didn't have to qualify for it. You know, it was it was already kind of embedded. Um, and it's something that you're, you know, you you sort of like pay pay for. But, you know, I'm telling you, and, and if there's anything I feel confident in saying is that you are spending more in those solutions than something in the private market. 
but the only way you'll know is if you actually compare. And so um, one of the things that I do on my podcast show, The Spouse Benefit Plan is, you know, talk dip, uh, talk deeply about like the comparisons. I mean, that that's what I'm going to get to in an upcoming episode. But um, in the meantime, what I want to say is that you can get more of that uh, education um, on our website at usfitwealth.com. We do have uh, blogs uh, that really educate and compare and talk about the difference between, you know, term, whole life and other options in the private market. And I think that's all I'm just asking is please educate yourself because, you know, um, I know that you joined the military to serve your com- uh, to serve your country. I also know that it was stable income. Let's not let's not lie about that. Let's not beat around the bush. Like it was, you know, you're able to, you know, the military took care of you for the most part. And so, so anyway, it's just something to to keep in mind. And I just really, I just really encourage everyone to, you know, do yourself a favor. And if you know, because you had that financial stability in the military, when you're going to go to the civilian world, like. No, no one's going to care about your financial situation as much as you will, you know, as much as you and your family will. And so fortunately, we have a lot of free information on our website, usvetwealth.com to be able to self-educate. And more importantly, you know, we, we are providing more stuff. We are rolling out with more information and even an upcoming community in which you could be a part of and self-educate even further, like all free, by the way. Um, part of why we make this all free is because we know how difficult it is to find this information. Um, so we just highly, highly encourage you to do that, whether it's with our company or even just, you know, your own, um, you know, uh, efforts to search out for this information. Um, I think what I'm saying, Craig, is to just do it. Do it for yourself. Do it for your family. Do it for your financial future. Because unfortunately, we live in a money-driven world, <laughs> and we got to pay the bills. We got to pay taxes. And if we're going to live a comfortable life, that's what has to be done. And so, why not learn about it? Why not learn about money? <laughs> and and so, I think it does start again with the pension. Do you want to protect 100% of it or not? And 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 knowing in full confidence if the survivor benefit plan is is right for you and your family. Or not? Absolutely, absolutely. That, that thank you for the, all this uh, this talk on the spouse, spouse benefit plan. Uh, well, I'm sorry, the, the survivor death benefits. But let's talk about your podcast, the spouse benefit plan. What uh, made you decide to start that podcast, and what's its mission? Yeah, you know, the spouse benefit plan was actually it's the sister podcast show of my original podcast holding down the fort so holding down the fort actually started wow like summer 2019 and it really was birthed from this conversation that i was having with our colleagues at us vet wealth about sort of this disconnect that we often had found with the service member and the spouse so when it um, in regards to finances so often what had happened for us craig is that when a service member would come to us and they were ready to move forward with one of our solutions um, when the spouse would get involved because this is the first time they're hearing it you know they they weren't really part of the conversations there's a little bit of skepticism and uh, I guess sort of fear that you know whatever the solution that the service member wanted to to do with with our company um, was probably not the best thing for the family and I was actually very curious about that I was like where is this disconnect coming from and so um, I remember talking to you know our colleagues about this and I remember saying you you know, we know a lot about the service member story. We know a lot about the veteran story, but what do we know about the military spouse and their understanding of personal finance? And so Holding Down the Fort was actually the first show that got birthed from this conversation. And Holding Down the Fort is really it's really just been an opportunity in the last three years to interview people in our community and for our community about 
what goes on in day-to-day -day military life what you know what are the struggles what are the stories and more importantly what are the resources or lack of resources that are available to them and so in that journey uh craig i was able to get a better and deeper understanding as to why a lot of military spouses are very um you know for lack of a better term ill-informed about the spouse benefit plan um, i'm sorry about the survivor i'm like totally plugging in my show about the survivor benefit plan and so from that you know and from that, we were able to create the sister podcast show, The Spouse Benefit Plan. Now, the simple explanation of the show, uh, Craig, is to you know make sure that our military spouses and service members make a confident and informed decision to keep or opt out of the survivor benefit plan. The reason why I created the show, um, you know, thanks to the help of my team, it's really a team effort to script the show and produce the show. Um, the reason why I did it is because a lot of our content on usvetwealth.com is uh, really geared toward the veteran, toward the military retiree, because that's my team. That's what they're made of. They're veterans. They, you know, they all had served. And I'm really the only one who is part of the team who has that experience of being a military child um, and, you know, witnessing the what my mom had experienced, you know, while in service and in post-military life. And so it's been um, a true pleasure to, um, you know, create that representation for our military spouses to um, understand what the survivor benefit plan is for their particular so situation and not just not just kind of put it off as the morbid talk. Um, and so, yeah, that's a little bit about the spouse benefit plan, Craig, and what it's about. And it's my hope that it's easy, digestible information for the spouse to understand. And I think the difference between, you know, what my team does versus what I do is I add a lot more. Um, I guess like heart and emotion and empathy into the show where with my team, you know, because they've been in the uh, fin financial industry for a long time, it's very much about like features and benefits and numbers and all that. But for me, I, I try my best to tie in the story and the meaning and the reason like why it's truly important for a spouse to understand this. It's not just about the numbers. It's not just about the money. It's about, you know, who are you going to be in post-military life? Who are you going to be should anything happen to the military retiree but more importantly you know who can you be while the military retiree is still around <laughs> so um and not having to think about that morbid talk because another episode that's going to come out a little later craig is even the probability of a spouse actually benefiting from the survivor benefit plan i mean we talked about this a little earlier that there's a very, sometimes there's a, there may be a very low chance that they may ever actually need it um but you know that's a conversation for another time Absolutely. I, Jen, I appreciate you. You're a, you're a killing it. I love your energy. And I think that the spouse benefit plan podcast is actually serving a great uh, mission. It sounds like it's right up. Uh, we basically in the same field, basically almost at the same time with this camera keeps going. I need a new camera eventually, but either <laughs> way, where uh, I think that me and you are serving the same mission where basically we are trying to make sure that the service members and even the spouses have all the information that they need to make informed decisions, whether that's transitioning their careers, or actually just making sure that they're taking care of themselves as a whole, as a family to make sure they're doing the best things for each other. And that's awesome. I think that's an awesome mission. And I, I, I'm proud to actually say I met you and I know you, and I definitely think that we will have a further conversation about this privatized pension uh, eventually. Yeah. So we are that for sure. Um, is so definitely, uh, I know everybody knows by now that uh, you, that, that you do have your own podcast, but definitely tell them where they can find you at. 
yeah, I think for now, the uh, best place to get started if you want to know more about me and learn more about the spouse benefit plan is to check out the spousebenefitplan.com. It'll give you, um, you know, what our latest episodes are and also some resources to learn more about me. And then, of course, if you really just want to talk directly to our financial experts, um, you know, which, uh, yeah, if you want to talk directly to our financial experts, I do recommend visiting usvetwealth.com. That's U-S-V-E-T-W-E-A-L-T-H.com. You can actually scroll to the bottom of the homepage. As of right now, um, we're constantly updating it. But as of right now, you can go to the very bottom and download the uh, white paper about military retirement pay and the case studies we have available for E7 and up um, to just get a better understanding about your situation, um, especially if you are within that rank. Um, But yeah, just really grateful, Craig. Thank you so much for uh, having me. And at the end of the day, our, our hope is to make sure that you make confident and informed decisions about your finances, you know, whether it's the survivor benefit plan and really protecting your military pension. Absolutely. So this is the usvetwealth.com website. Just like Jan said, if you scroll all the way down to the bottom, they actually have navigate your retirement pay and benefits access guide here. So if you get a chance, definitely check it out. It won't hurt to take a look and see what's really going on over there. Um, and kind of get a, a little bit more education. There's nothing wrong with getting free education around. And I, Jen, once again, I do appreciate you all being on board uh, for the podcast today. Um, definitely, I will connect with you again. I'm pretty sure there's going to be a lot of uh, questions that come from this podcast that we're going to dig into a little bit here as well, sooner than later. Um, so I appreciate it. Once again, we're going to sign off from the Craig Houston podcast. And Jen, can you stand by for me? Yeah, you got it. Thanks for having me. <laughs>